Hello and welcome to another episode of Jade Talks Stuff. My sincerest apologies, although I don't really have to apologize. Uh, there was no podcast episode last month. I had a shocker of a month. First of all, I found out one of my close friends over in Chicago died. And then a few weeks later, I found out another friend of mine in New Zealand died. Both young. Jen was 42. Chris was 39. Both unexpected. And it totally threw me. As you could imagine, losing two people so close together uh, really kind of hit me for six. So I am in the process of recording a new episode of Jade Talk Stuff, uh, which is very exciting about orcas. But just as a catch up to last month, this episode is a combination of two things. One, uh, it's a blog post I wrote, Losing a Friend Overseas, just to give you an idea of what it meant. And the second is a tribute to Jennifer Olson, my friend in Chicago. Uh, if you're a subscriber of Travelosophy, I'm sorry, you may have heard some of this before. Anyway, so first up, I have an audio article, Losing a Friend Overseas, followed by a tribute to Jennifer Olson. And in the next day or so, I'll be releasing a new episode of Jade Talk Stuff about orcas. Thanks for listening. Losing a Friend Overseas An article written and read by Jade Jackson Throughout many years of travel and adventure, my biggest fear was not me dying in some unfortunate tuk-tuk incident, but losing a close friend who lived overseas and whose death slipped by without me knowing. Last month, my worst fear came true. Jen and I first met in Japan where we both taught English. We travelled together, she spent Christmases with my family, and at one point she was planning on moving from her hometown of Chicago to New Zealand to be with me. However, regardless, our friendship remained a staple in my life, and whilst we had periods without contact, we would always get in touch. Our last proper conversation was in June last year and I'd asked her to appear on my podcast. We planned to chat about her travel experiences from Australia, South America, and Japan. It was a matter of her getting back to me when she could schedule it in. July went by. I was away, then I got sick. No response. Only a few weeks had passed, it was no big deal. Then August, September, and October went by in silence. I'd sent her a few messages and emails, but no response. It happens, life gets busy. It wasn't unusual. I know sometimes she was working multiple jobs. I was worried, but not yet panicked. A short email arrived on a Friday morning in November and said, I'm not doing so well, but getting better slowly. Let's keep in touch. Jen. It didn't sound like her, as it lacked the usual warmth and emotion. I responded saying I'd call her that weekend, but every correspondence after that went unanswered. That email was to be the last correspondence I'd ever received from her. On the 13th of February, I received an email from her email address, but numbness soon tarnished my excitement. 
It was one sentence. Jade, Jen has passed away. Take care. My first thoughts were maybe it was some kind of sick joke, or maybe her account was hacked, but the email also included a link to her obituary. I read it at least 30 times. It didn't seem real. It still doesn't. But there it was, written on a legacy website, straightforward and formal. She had died three weeks earlier, on the 21st of January 2019, with her funeral arrangement a week after that. Sixteen years I had known her, loved her, and just like that, she was gone. Via her obituary, I could send a message to her mother, and so I told her how grateful I was for the opportunity to have met her incredible daughter and how proud she should be of her. She responded with some kind words, knowing how much I meant to Jennifer. It was her partner, though, who thought to contact me, knowing Jen and I were in regular contact. I was thankful to know, but felt helpless about the whole situation. Too late for goodbyes, no closure from a funeral. I hope someday to visit her grave or memorial. I still don't know if she was buried or cremated to say goodbye. Though I dread the idea of flying into Chicago, knowing I can't visit her, see her smile or hold her once more. Death is weird. Grief is stranger still. Like the tiny memories we try to hold on to. I found a three-second audio message she had sent me in WhatsApp. It says nothing in particular, but it's her voice. And for a moment, it's as though she's still here. And it's magical. I missed her before I found out she was gone. And now she's just a memory? The emptiness is palpable. As much of our correspondence over the years was emails, I find writing cathartic, to express my thoughts and to feel like I can still speak to her. I'm currently building an online memorial to Jen, a place for people the world over to share memories, read stories and see photos. I've been in touch with friends of hers I've never met via Facebook. And even though we knew her at different periods of her life, our memories are similar, which brings comfort knowing we knew the real Jen. So, if you're a traveller with close friends overseas, please talk to your family and friends about them. Come up with a plan such as making a public Facebook post on your profile. You can allocate a friend to look after your Facebook page if you die, or create a list of email addresses to be notified just in case something happens to you and you're unable to let your overseas friends know. If you'd like to view the memorial website for Jennifer Olson, you can find it by searching for Jennifer K. Olson Memorial. It's live now, but its official launch date is on the 15th of March, which would have been her 43rd birthday. So check back on that date. Have you ever lost a friend who lived overseas? How did you cope? Please share your thoughts by contacting me on Twitter at jdickensjackson via my website jadejackson.com.au or on Facebook at jadejacksonphotography. Thank you for listening to the article Losing a Friend Overseas, written and read by Jade Jackson. Hi, I'm Jade Jackson. If you've read my recent blog posts, you'll know one of my greatest fears is losing a close friend who lives overseas and whose death passed by without me knowing. 
Last month, my worst fear came true. I found out my close friend, Jennifer Olsen from Chicago, died three weeks earlier from terminal liver disease. My gut instinct knew something was wrong, but all my correspondence went unanswered because she was already gone. So this is our story, which includes the difficulties of long-distance romance. It's the tribute I would have given at her funeral had I known and therefore been able to attend. Where do I even begin? Today, the 15th of March, is Jen's 43rd birthday, which should have been a celebration. Instead, I'm writing her tribute because she died less than two months before on the 21st of January, 2019. I first met Jen in late 2003, or maybe early 2004, in Kyoto, Japan. We were both teaching English. She had transferred down to Kyoto from Tokyo for a few months before she headed back home to Chicago. I was working part-time, mostly nights, and she was working full-time, mostly days. So we only saw each other occasionally. But I always looked forward to working with the bubbly American girl. Pretty much everyone in Japan smoked, and in between lessons we had 10 minutes, just enough time to grab our files for the next lesson, figure out what we were going to teach, then head downstairs for a quick cigarette in the vending machine alley adjacent to our campus building. It was there that Jen coincidentally first told me her love of Australian accents. I had many travel stories to share and she never tired of hearing them. We soon discovered we had a mutual love of sharks, although she kept her shark tattoo a secret until San Francisco. And from then on, I considered her a friend, not just a colleague. Although we rarely hung out after work, as I had a girlfriend at the time. Going through past emails, apparently I was marked from early on, before I realised. This is an extract from an email in... 2011 from Jen to me. You most definitely were marked from the gate. When you came into the teacher's office at Nova, I was always so happy to see you. The days I worked, the same days you did, made me all the happier to be there. A bunch of us went out for dinner one night. Don't remember really anything about the dinner or who it was for. And all I really remember was that I was sitting next to you on the corner of the table and just thinking how sexy you are. When you finally came out to socialise down by the river one night, before I was leaving, I was really happy to be hanging out with you. Funny, I also remember a bunch of us all sitting around by the river's edge, and I remember thinking right then that Emily and Kirk, friends of ours from Japan, were going to get together. Guess it's those special powers at work. I always joked that Jen had special powers. She could read minds, know what others were thinking, and even when we were speaking on the phone, without video, being a highly sensitive person, she would pick up things that weren't spoken. It's hard to describe. I've never met anyone who was as perceptive as Jen. Anyway, back to Japan. I remember her mother Florence and sister Joanna popping in to work one day, and she was so nervous about making sure they had a great time. She was always more concerned about the happiness and well-being of others than her own. Jen was loved by all the students, 
and I was secretly jealous that she was always way more popular than me, many making special requests to be taught by her. But, as quoted by her university professor, Hank Bohannon, she was a teacher at heart who loved helping people, and that showed in the classroom. Jen left Kyoto mid-2004. Her farewell was down by the Kamogawa, which is the main river that runs through Kyoto. It was summer, and by the river was a popular hangout because it was cooler. There was a convenience store adjacent, which meant it was also a cheap night out. Unrestricted by 10-minute breaks, Jen and I chatted all night. At one point, I think it was Jen that suggested getting something to eat, and so we ducked away from the crowd to a hole-in-the-wall kebab shop in a quiet street around the corner. We sat outside at a small table, and as we were waiting for our food, she smiled that perfect smile, and there was that cheeky glint in her eye. She leant closer to whisper something in my ear. Her hand rested on my thigh, and our fingers magically became entwined. I kind of sat back and apologised, reminding Jen my girlfriend was not far away, although I knew we were heading for a breakup. It was just awkward to break up whilst living together in a foreign country. Anyway, so Jen and I walked back to the rest of the crowd, and just before we got there, she pulled me aside and kissed me on my lips, leaving my heart a flutter. There's just one photo from that night, which ironically my girlfriend at the time took, and as Jen and I embraced for that photo, our fingers locked together once more. It was as if we'd always known each other. Unsurprisingly, Jen and I kept in close contact after that. My girlfriend left Japan a month after Jen, and when my relationship inevitably ended, which obviously had been heading that way for some time, it was Jen that was there to support me. I ended up back in Australia towards the end of 2004, but in 2005 my mum and stepdad got married in Yosemite National Park. I flew across to San Francisco and Jen kindly flew across from Chicago to meet up with me, and we hung out for a few glorious days which included the Golden Gate Bridge, Chinatown and Japantown. We took a sailing trip along the bay and visited museums and galleries. One particularly memorable moment was sneaking up to the roof of our hotel to see the lights of San Fran at night. I still remember our first proper kiss, down by the waterfront, near the pier, and then afterwards we jumped on a tram uptown. I was sad to leave after such a short time, and it wasn't long before Jen was talking about visiting me in Australia. She flew out in 2007, arriving on Christmas Day. I felt bad because my family's house was about two hours away, and I, of course, was expected to be at home on Christmas morning. But Jen, being the independent traveller, happily caught the train up, and I met her at the station with her two suitcases, one with clothes, another with shoes. My family instantly connected with her, although I still remember my grandmother being confused when she met her, saying, She doesn't look very Japanese. Apparently because I said a friend of mine is coming to visit, who I met in Japan, my grandmother naturally assumed that Jen was Japanese. Poor Jen was so exhausted that day, having flown all the way from Chicago, then staying up all day and night, but she kept a smile throughout because she didn't want to ruin Christmas for anyone else, even though she wouldn't have. The next few days between Christmas and New Year 
were spent visiting the sites of Sydney, including Sydney Wildlife World, which has koalas, the aquarium, Sydney Tower, snorkelling at Bondi Beach, climbing the Harbour Bridge, which Jen was absolutely terrified of, but she was adamant she was going to do it, and she did. We sipped high tea at the Opera House with an opera singer, and I remember Jen buying little Opera House salt and pepper shakers, I think it was for her grandmother. Mostly we caught the ferry into the city from Balmain, and our nightly ritual became sitting on a bench seat overlooking the harbour, watching the colours of the sunset fade into the evening lights of the city. A place I go to now to feel close to her. I imagine her beside me, and when I close my eyes, I can smell her perfume on a passing breeze. Many nights were spent amongst the restaurants of Balmain. Jen may not have been a big eater, but she loved her seafood, and California rolls from Sushi Man and grilled orange ruffy from Balmain Blue were amongst her favourites. There's a funny story which Jen always loved retelling about how I could read clouds to tell the weather, which of course appears in my cloud blog post and podcast, and I'll include the links to those in the show notes. Since her death, I've seen many incredible cloud formations, including one that was very clearly a dove, another which was angel wings, another of a cross alongside a J next to a small heart. I know I sound crazy, but I took photos as proof. There's no denying the dove and angel wings. Unsurprisingly, Jen features in many of my travel stories, in both of my podcasts and my travel blog. We spent New Year's in Sydney watching the fireworks from Balmain, and a few days later Jen flew to Uluru before flying onto Cairns where we both met up. We had a couple of days just north of Cairns at the beach. We also caught the Coranda Sky Rail over the rainforest before catching the old steam train back to Cairns. I remember it was so slow, Jen was bored and fell asleep on my shoulder. We then had two incredible nights on Green Island. On our first night, we were sitting on the beach at sunset and the hotel provided complimentary glasses of champagne. Well, when you spend a thousand dollars a night on accommodation, you expect a little something included. And I remember sitting on the sand admiring the view when we saw two grey shapes in the water. At first I thought it was stingrays, but then they poked their heads up and it was two green turtles. It was absolutely amazing and I can still hear Jen's squeals of delight when she realised it was turtles. From Green Island we went snorkelling straight from the beach and the next day we did an outer reef cruise to snorkel off a reef drop-off where there was coral in every colour and thousands of fish. On Green Island they had fish feeding each night and so Jen and I jumped in the water and saw white-tipped reef sharks. That was the first time I saw sharks in the wild and I think it was the closest Jen had been. And it's absolutely perfect that my first time seeing sharks in the wild was with Jen. The next morning we walked to the other side of the island with our snorkeling gear and we could see small tawny nurse sharks about a foot long, swimming in the water, right from where we were standing on the sand. We dived in and spent 45 minutes snorkelling up and down, but saw no sharks. Then we got out, and the sharks were right there, right where we had been. It turned out the sharks knew we were in the water, and were staying just out of view. So I took my fin off and started splashing it in the water, 
and Jen was like, Jade, what are you doing? And I replied, my dying fish dance. Which, of course, Jen immediately burst into laughter. But within seconds, about 10 metres from shore, a fin appeared, then another, then another. And before long, there was like 9 or 10 sharks that came to investigate what all the commotion was. There was also a turtle that popped up as well. It was like, hey, what's going on here? should be noted that tawny nurse sharks are relatively safe because they don't have teeth. They only eat shellfish. After Green Island, we had a couple more days in Sydney before Jen flew home. The next part of our relationship was a little fractured. On her last night in Sydney, she told me she loved me. I stupidly said thank you. Uncertain what the future held for us and uncertain how to navigate the difficulties of how our long-distance relationship might work. Of course, she left in tears. But regardless, we still spoke almost every day. And it didn't take long before I'd regretted my moment of stupidity and carelessness. The following year, I moved to Wellington, New Zealand, as it was easier to obtain a car licence. Something which Jen too longed for, to regain her freedom and full independence. By then, Jen had moved on. But I never gave up hope. Many calls, emails and texts proceeded. And the next time I saw Jen was in December 2010. I met her in Chicago, where she took me to a Bulls game. I also remember going to a Greek restaurant where they smashed plates on the floor. And then we met my mum and sister who had arrived by train. We chatted about our feelings, and Jen was hesitant about getting her heart broken again. But this time I was making no mistakes. I told her I loved her and assured her I was all in. But I could tell she was still going to take some convincing. The next day, we flew from Chicago to New York and almost missing our flight because we slept in. And I remember running through Chicago airport. It was exactly like home alone. Same airport, same time of year, running through the terminal. I think Jen even ran barefoot through the terminal as we didn't have time after security for her to put her shoes back on. Of course, we made it. When we sat down, Jen said, See, I'm a lucky girl. We made it. She was always talking about being a lucky girl and having a team of people looking out for her. I think her charm, smile, and sparkly eyes had a lot to do with her luck, but there's no denying. Many things always seemed to fall in place for her just when she needed it. Jen and I had two incredible weeks in New York, starting off with a limo from the airport to our apartment, where we blared the Alicia Keys song Empire State of Mind. We did so much every day, it's hard to remember everything. But some of the highlights included the Empire State Building, the Met, the MoMA, Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty, Coney Island, Brooklyn and a Broadway musical. But the Christmas we spent in New York is still my favourite Christmas ever. On Christmas Eve Eve, Jen and I wandered the outdoor Christmas markets and then marvelled at the Christmas train Rockefeller Square. On Christmas Eve, we stupidly tried to do last-minute shopping in Macy's. We all lost each other. It was so busy there was no cell phone service. And before long, I left, thankfully bumping into Jen outside. That night, Jen and my sister baked Christmas cookies, and then we watched the black-and-white Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. That you're... I was really excited because you always see that on American movies. The next morning, Jen really wanted to go to the early morning mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. It was packed, standing room only, but with the choir singing, it was simply magical. 
We then headed back to the apartment, and we each had a small stocking of presents. I remember Jen gave my family a handmade Christmas decoration that had written on it, Margie, Greg, Jade, Jordan, Alaska, New York, 2010. I was disappointed she didn't include her name because she felt as much a part of our family as my siblings, but it was a beautiful memory of the best Christmas ever. Jen, Alaska and I received tickets to the Radio City Rockettes Christmas Spectacular, which we went to on Christmas Day. It was amazing. Really was spectacular. We had seats right down the front, and sure, it was kitschy, but Jen loved it. Afterwards, Mum had cooked Christmas dinner of ham, turkey, baked veggies and pudding, and then on Christmas night, it started snowing, so we woke up on Boxing Day to like two metres or six feet of snow. New Year's Eve, we missed the ball drop, long story. Then, a few days later, Jen and I left New York for a night in Atlantic City. There's only one photo of that night from a photo booth, and the first photo is my elbow in front of her face, and as I was putting my arm around her, I accidentally bumped her nose, and she was so annoyed with me. But still, we managed two gorgeous photos. Jen included a copy of this in a slideshow she made, so I thought she must have had the original. But then, after I found out she died, I pulled out a book she had given me, and there, inside the book, was the photo booth photo from Atlantic City. From Atlantic City, we caught the bus back to New York. I can't remember why, but Jen was pissed at me about something. I have this image of Jen storming off in New York, struggling with her bags towards the train station. And I was like, Jen, I'm not going to leave New York with you pissed off at me storming off. Immediately she changed her attitude. We hugged, we kissed. And as I watched her go, I just couldn't believe how two weeks had flown by and now that was it. I spent the next two weeks with my family in Florida and we took a short Caribbean cruise but I called her practically every day. It was in St Thomas, famous for gemstones, but I bought Jen a Tanzanite ring, famed because it was rarer than diamonds, which I thought was a fitting choice for such a unique and incredible person as Jen. The last part of my trip, I had planned a few days in Fort Worth, Texas. I couldn't fathom being in the same country anymore and not being with her. I looked into cancelling Fort Worth and instead flying up to Chicago to see Jen again. But she'd never been to Fort Worth, and besides, I had booked the Hilton Hotel. Got an amazing deal. So it seemed a waste not to use it. So instead, I flew her down to Texas. We had two incredible nights. On our last full day together, we had breakfast in the hotel, because, of course, Jen managed to get us a room upgrade to the business floor. Then just before we headed out, I gave her the Tanzanite ring as a sign of my commitment to her. I wanted her to know there was no going back. I was all in. We then headed to the old town, where Jen picked out some cowboy boots for me. I tried dozens of pairs on, but of course, bought the first pair she picked with a dragon on one boot and a cross on the other. She always had impeccable taste. That evening we went to the rodeo, and it was everything I imagined. We ate candy apples and corn dogs and rode on the carnival rides. Even one that took us up high and then dropped us, which Jen was absolutely terrified of. She literally screamed the entire way up and down. But later that night, I remember Jen saying it was one of the best days ever. I recently found my rodeo ticket stub in the book Jen gave me, along with the photo from Atlantic City. 
the date on the ticket stub? The 21st of January, 2011, exactly eight years before her death. The next day, she was flying back to Chicago, and I was flying back to New Zealand. So we kissed our goodbyes at Dallas Lovefield Airport. It was a see you soon, not goodbye. I remember speaking to her on Skype when I was back home in New Zealand, and she said, I love you, I'm all in, I'm moving to New Zealand. But there's just a couple of things I need to sort out first, like my credit card debt. She even went so far as getting quotes on shipping stuff to New Zealand. Then one struggle turned into the next. Then she moved in with a friend to help save money. And then life happened, and before I knew it, it was eight years later. Our love was never fully realised, and now she's dead. So what happened between us? Visas? Money? Distance? It's hard keeping a long-distance relationship going, even harder to move countries. I'd applied for the green card multiple times, and Jen even said, just come here, work illegally in a bar or a restaurant like all the Mexicans. But as my whole career had been focused on travel, the potential of getting deported, which would make future travel difficult, didn't seem a feasible option. It's easy in hindsight to look at the bigger picture and say, ah, I should have done this, or I could have done that. But regardless, throughout everything, it was our friendship that kept us in each other's life. Our mutual interests, like sharks, movies and travel. At the end of the day, I'm thankful to have known her, to have had her in my life. Jen was the kind of person I'd easily talk to for hours. It was common for us to have four or five or even six hour conversations on the phone. She loved deeply. Not just me, but everyone she encountered. She was fragile and at times delicate, yet she was also fierce. A fighter with a never-give-up attitude. She longed nothing more than to set up her own business, be able to work from anywhere. So she could be free to roam. Yet there always seemed to be a chain holding her back. To know Jen was to love her. Since her death, I've been in contact with friends from her school many of whom she lost contact with through no reason other than life gets in the way, but all had fond memories of her and similar to mine. So what we saw was the real Jen. However, from our first encounter throughout the years, between Jen and I, despite correspondence drifting and waning, eventually we'd always get in touch, usually her telling me how much she missed me, that she'd always loved me, that she all thought of me often. Reading over old emails and messages, she had so much love to give. Of course, there was plenty of, I'm sorry I missed you, can you Skype now, as well. Jen created a slideshow of our time together. I love watching it because she's happy and it brings up wonderful memories of our short time together. But it also upsets me, because every time she sent me the latest update, the email heading was usually something along the lines of, we need to add more memories to this. She never did make it out to New Zealand whilst I was living there, even though she sent numerous emails about her seeing ads and signs about New Zealand, as I did before I moved there. Regardless, we'd also made tentative plans for her to come back out to Australia, with a side trip to New Zealand so I could show her all my favourite places like Cape Palliser. Another email she sent was about how she missed standing in silence, wrapped in my arms, looking out over beautiful scenery, and quietly admiring it together. We'd also made plans to travel to Fiji and Hawaii for snorkelling and France and Italy. I'm not sure if she realised. Maybe she did, I don't know. 
but the song she chose for this live show is called Congratulations by Blue October. I looked up the lyrics. Apparently it's about a guy that told his best friend that he loved her, but he left it too late. He ended up telling her on her wedding day. She got married, and he committed suicide. But anyway, on a lighter note. After all the effort Jen put into making the slideshow of us, it seems only appropriate as something positive to remember her by on her birthday. I've built an online memorial, a place to share memories, stories and photos, a place for anyone anywhere in the world to help build the story of the beautiful and incredible being that was Jennifer Olsen. The website is jenniferkolsen.wordpress.com. Of course, I'll include links to it in the show notes. Or you can Google Jennifer Olsen Memorial and you'll easily find it. Please feel free to share your stories, no matter how small they seem. Just click on Share a Memory. Maybe Jen didn't grace the cover of a magazine or enter the Forbes rich list, but she was remarkable in her own right. She was important to people the world over. She was super intelligent on so many levels, from history to politics to geography. She loved helping others and absolutely adored kids. I remember in New York, she spent hours teaching a friend's kid how to wink. No matter how destitute she was, she was still thinking about others and offering her help and empathy. When my parents' house burnt down, she wanted to send boxes of her clothes to my sister. She loved art and music and theatre. I love that I have memories from various galleries around the world with her. I just wish there'd been more. She was hilarious, would always catch me off guard. In the middle of something serious, she'd drop a cheeky innuendo. The worst part about her death, as I understand, is that it was essentially preventable. Had she received a liver transplant, she may still be here today, teaching the world, sharing her endless love, which the world feels a little short of lately, and making people happy. So please talk to your friends and family about signing up as organ donors, so when you die, others may live on. People like Jennifer, a beautiful soul, whose loss leaves the world darker, emptier, and with a lot less love. I miss you so fucking much, Jen. You have no idea. From the moment I first met you at Nova in Kyoto. From the moment I first met you at Nova in Kyoto, there was an instant connection to the last full day we spent in each other's company in Fort Worth, Texas. We may have only spent a few months in physical company, but you were always a massive part of my life. I was always thinking of you. I miss hearing your voice and chatting for literally hours. I miss your beautiful smile and your perfect white teeth. I miss your sparkly eyes that would ensure you got whatever you wanted. I miss your infectious laughter and the fact that you laughed so often, even when I was telling you something serious and you'd quickly drop a wisecrack or a double entendre. God, how I miss your humour. I miss your cute little shark tattoo, and of course our mutual love of everything in the ocean, especially sharks. I miss snorkelling with you and exploring with you. I miss being on boats with you, which we always seem to do in Sydney, Cairns, San Fran, and even New York. I miss your positive and never-give-up attitude. I miss that no matter what, you'd pull through, because you always did. You're always so tough, and I'm sorry I didn't know how dire things were, so I could have flown over and see you once more. 
Or maybe you preferred it that way, so I just have the happy memories of you, not the sad. I hope you take comfort knowing your influence on me is monumental. You've changed my life in so many ways, from my photography, writing and my website. That all stemmed from you, always pushing me to greatness. It's ironic you finally have a nice website, and yet it's now one just to remember you by, after all the designs you went through. More than anything, I want to thank you. Thank you for choosing me as your mark. Thank you for flying out to meet me. Thank you for loving me. And most importantly, thank you for being a part of my life, my story, and for the joy, love and happiness you brought into my life. I miss your movie recommendations and perusing art galleries and museums with you and have you tell me random facts. I miss how you'd always want to start and end the day with a hug. And I miss how happy you'd get after eating when you were really hungry and cranky. I miss just being in your company and the fact that pretty much everything I liked, you liked too. So whatever was suggested, you were always happy to go along. Of course, I also miss your kisses and hugs. I miss your foot massages and facials. I'm so empty without you in my life, Jen. I just hope you found peace and happiness wherever you are and one day we will meet again. Of course, I'd rather have you here, but I take comfort knowing and feeling you're now looking over me from wherever you are. I still remember the card we saw, that guy buy from the Woolworths supermarket in Balmain. that said something like, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened at all. We laughed at the time, but if only we knew how ironic that card would be. All I can say is I'm so blessed and grateful to have had you in my life. You are truly one of a kind. And just like the Tanzanite ring I gave you, you're rarer than diamonds. I hope you found that warm lake with a huge floaty to lie on so you can relax forevermore. It's never goodbye with you. Till I see you again, no. I love you, Jen. <laughs>